Dead Sea turns blood red on the Day of Atonement, plus the Euphrates River drying up, and about a hundred other end time signs coming to pass right now. What are we to make of all this? What are we to do as believers? We have an end time Bible prophecy expert with us on the program. For nearly a quarter of a century, our guest tonight has been connecting the dots between Bible prophecy and current events. He's just released a brand new book, End Times Made Easy. There's no bad news for the Christian, and I believe that you are going to be built up, you're going to be educated, and you're going to be equipped to face the hour that we're living in. Would you welcome to the program Evangelist Joseph Morris. Evangelist Morris, we are so excited to have you on Encounter Day. I'm telling you, since I got a hold of your book, I've been waiting, waiting, waiting to get you here. Thank you for joining us. Thrilled to be with you, excited about the coming of the Lord. Appreciative that we get to see him so soon. Well, there's so many Americans, I run through these stats all the time on our channel, who believe that the Lord Jesus Christ could return during their lifetime. In fact, there's a greater percentage of those who believe that than who claim to be born again in the United States of America. So that dearth shows me that there's a real evangelistic opportunity when talking about this message because people know that Jesus could return and they know they're not ready. Let me start off with this question. How soon is the return of Jesus. Do you think it's it's fast approaching? I really do. Uh, when you look at all the signs of the second coming, I mean, I think my book has about 79 or 80 yep. that are blatant, that are clear, that are concise. You have to you have to go, uh, okay, this is obvious. And really the main two about Jerusalem being won back and Israel being regathered, Jesus said the group that sees that, you're it. And uh, it can't get any clearer than that. So So when you do the math, you almost have to look at when Jesus went to the cross, because he said, I'm going to come back after two days, 2,000 years. But he was talking Jewish boys there. So after two, two days, if it's a 30 AD, you've got to add 2,000 years to it, but then back seven, back for the tribulation, so you're at 2023. So in the next few years, te technically, I'm not saying he's coming that soon, but I'm saying technically that's what it, it adds up to. And I know that freaks people out, but... but uh, wouldn't it be better that we'd know Anna and Simeon knew they were moved by the Spirit that they'd go into the temple, they wouldn't die, they saw the mm. Messiah, uh, uh, Zacharias, uh, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, they knew. So uh, it's, it's interesting that when Jesus went into town, the demons cried out, have you come to torment us before the time? So they knew Jesus had a schedule, but he was early. So if demons can know the schedule, how much more the church should know the schedule? So. Uh, with all the signs of the second coming, it gets really, really obvious. But, you know, it freaks people out when you get bold about that. When you go, yeah, we're the generation. I can't give you a date. I can give you a season. And I can get really, really close. But it's so close, we should be shouting from the rooftops. Because the one who died for us, rose from the dead, our King, our Savior, our Lord, there should be a radical excitement in the church and anticipation. I say it when I preach, how many of you are excited the night before you got married? <laughs> well, it should be the same way about the coming of the Lord. You know, and half the church raised their hand. I'm like, wow, that's half of you that weren't excited the night before you got married. That's not good. So it should be just uh, joy, expectation. I even say people should tell you to break that pill in half. Whatever you're on, you're acting too crazy because of the sheer excitement. And, you know, for the world, it is a scary time. It's a, a traumatic time. But for the church, it's a time to be vocal and to be not weird, but just lifting up our voice, uh, saying how close we are to his return.
Well, that's what I love so much about your book, End Times Made Easy, because the subtitle of the book simply says there is no bad news for the Christian. The way we approach this, you and I, from our eschatological persuasion, this gets us excited when we hear about the things that are happening around us because we're anxious, we're anticipating getting to see our Lord face to face. And I think we're getting very, very close. Now, that's interesting. You lay that calendar out like that, two days, uh, 2030, 2023, it's, it's startling. Now, of course, the objections come, well, every generation, every generation mm-hmm. has said they are the generation. What's your response to that? Yeah. Well, it is interesting that every generation says that, but we're the only generation to have these signs. Because I have people tell me, mm. well, those signs have been here before. No, never, never. None of these signs have been here before. And at the first coming of the Lord, uh, the prophecies, like the 19 individual prophecies, the flawlessness of that is amazing for the first coming. And then you got for every one verse there is about the first coming, you got eight times more about the second coming. So it gets clearer and clearer and clearer. And, you know, people tell me that, too. Well, every generation said that they've never had the signs that we've had ever. So we're very Mm. distinct, very blessed, very precise. it, it's so overwhelming when you get into all of it. You're like, wow, how come we weren't told this years ago? You know, we were told, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. <laughs> and it's like, well, actually, that's not what the Bible says. It gives you so much information that if yeah. you just look at it, 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 it's preaching to us. There's a change coming. And that change is the King Jesus is coming back to the planet. So, yeah, it's so so exciting. Yeah, yeah there's no other time in, in, in history that the Bible speaks more of and gives us more detail about than that small sliver of time mm-hmm. leading up to the second coming mm-hmm. of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all the events that surround mm-hmm. that. Now, you've mentioned, you quickly mentioned mm-hmm. the two key signs, um, but and I love mm-hmm. the layout of the book, and I can't say that enough because it's so simple and easy to walk through and to read, but you do walk through seven to 80 signs that we're living in the last days. And you said many of these have never happened before. So what are the things that really right. stand out to you as far as the signs of the times that we're living in right now? Sure. Uh, probably the, one of the main ones would be the, uh, the EU, being, it, it, you know, turn, the, it, you, the United States of Europe, and their capital mm. building in Strasbourg, France, being looking like the Tower of Babel, fragmented at the top, just like the Tower of Babel. Uh, that's kind of blatant with all the markings from Nebuchadnezzar in there. And then, like, uh, for instance, the Dead Sea getting fish, and then this last year the Dead Sea turning blood red where Sodom and Gomorrah was on the Day uh, of Atonement. Boom. And I'm like, okay, that's a little crazy. That's a little crazy. So, okay, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah, let's process that for a second before you go on to the next one. You said the Dead Sea getting fish? Sure. The, the Dead Sea got uh, Ezekiel prophesied that 2,700 years ago. The Dead Sea started getting fish last year. Ezekiel prophesied that, and then last fall, the Dead Sea turned blood red where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And I said that on my weekly. I do a weekly 10 minute update, and then I realized the next week it was on the Day of Atonement when that happened. So I'm like, oh uh. my gosh! I thought that's that's screaming to us. I died for even the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. I paid for. That I, you know, so the water turns blood red right where that was, and on the Day of Atonement, saying, "Hi, I atoned for this. I paid for this." So uh, hmm. that's pretty blatant. You know, those two are pretty big, and the predatory birds—172 different species of predatory birds—start showing up in the land. Uh, that's a huge one. The fertility of the land of Israel. I mean, uh, Ethiopian Jews being brought back. These are things that are just like, okay, the language being restored. 
you can't find them speaking Canaanite, Amorite, Hittite, but you hear them speaking Hebrew. And 120 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now the whole country speaks Hebrew, so that's a miracle. So you've got uh, things that are blatant. You know, sometimes I'll do an interview, and they're, they're, they're fact-checking me while I'm saying it. And they go, I said, you're Googling, you're fact-checking me. I go, oh, yeah, because people can't really believe that these are all true. Right. And even the person, the people that did my, did my book, they said, they said, you know, we we're fact-checking you, we looked this all up, and this has all happened. I said, I'm not smart enough to come up with this on my own. This is all, I'm just fine that it happened. So, you know, it's, it's so in your face that it's remarkable to see people balk at it. But once they, especially really, really young people, they'll be, they'll be Googling you while you're preaching. They're going, oh, that was true, that's true, that's true, that's true, absolutely. So like you said, there's a couple of main ones, but when you get into it, they're all pretty blatant and clear uh, how, how, how good it looks that we're about to see him. Now, another prophecy that's made that's going to take place during the tribulation is the drying up of the, of the Euphrates River. The Euphrates River, about mm-hmm. 1,800 miles long, 300 yards, three football fields wide on average. I mm-hmm. think for centuries we would have never mm-hmm. imagined that drying up. Now, I know there's some agricultural things that have taken place in the last 50 years. Um, are, is mm-hmm. this the fulfillment of prophecy? What are you hearing about the drying up of the Euphrates River, and is this something we should be looking at as well? Absolutely. About 10 to 12 years ago, I started talking about it because ISIS started damming up the Euphrates to shut water supply to Baghdad. So I thought, well, that's not even a natural occurrence. But just in the last two years, naturally, the water supply is so shut down that it it is literally drying up. So at one point you had man doing it 10 years ago, and now you have nature doing it. So either way, it's set up for the kings of the east to come over the Euphrates. And, and when you start seeing all these things in position for what happens after we leave, it really has to preach to us that, okay, these are things, it's like a football game when the, when the players get on the 35 yard line, they're, they're about to have a kickoff. If they're warming up, you know, you got a little bit of time. But Colleen, if I like college football, she'll go, babe, the game's about to start. Why? Because they're lined up on the 35. Uh, well, all these signs like the Euphrates and these different things, it's like a game, a football game getting ready to start. It's, it's telling us that uh, Jesus is about to come back blatantly. Well, not only that, Ezekiel 38 predicts a particular type of war, lists the nations that are going to be involved. Can mm-hmm. you talk to us about the Ezekiel 38 war? And there's been some speculation about whether or not it could take place before the tribulation, mm-hmm. but I believe you believe it takes place at the beginning of the tribulation. Talk to us a little bit about what the Bible says about that war, and are we seeing the elements line up right now? Boy, the elements are so lined up. I keep the guys on my phone. You got Iran, you got Turkey, and you got Russia making alliances like never before. Mm-hmm. You even had Turkey say some things today uh, about uh, uh, we're not being able to get F-16s from America because of their thought patterns. So, uh, man, that war is listed so flawlessly, and people kind of get you know go back and forth with me. Go, how do you? Why do you think it's just after the rapture? Well, because in this dispensation, God literally doesn't intervene for Israel. I mean, he gave the church all authority, ah, and he, he doesn't really intervene. So the, the second the church is gone, he intervenes for Israel, and you don't see that in, under this covenant. I mean, Germany killed six million Jews and prospered, uh, so uh, there's no intervention. Well, after the church is gone, the, we have all authority, so we have to be taken off the earth. So then he intervenes like Old Covenant, because it's seven years of Old Covenant time. And boy, you talk about intervening. 82% is, is pushed back. And it says so that the heathen may know that he is God. So uh, it's interesting how things change from the church age to Old Covenant style. 
And boy, that that's why America says, are you come to take a spoil? And, uh, and, and in the church age, when we're here, we, we'd probably say, hey, if you try to go after Israel, we'll protect Israel. But I think half of America will probably be gone by then. That's just my thinking. And I think that's what preaches to me. I would love to see I, this is terrible. I'd love to be able to see that. I think we might be here for Isaiah 17, 1, Damascus being removed from being a city. We might see that. As far as Ezekiel 38, I have a tendency to think that it happens after we leave because of the set of, of occurrences. That literally it's like God taking the gloves off and, and protects Israel like never before. Well, you mentioned these the, the church being removed, and you've, you've been doing this. You're a, you're a Bible prophecy expert who's been doing this full-time, j- just focused on Bible prophecy for decades, nearly a quarter of a century now, where that's been like your primary focus. It's interesting to me that there's the ebbs and flows of the church's eschatology over decades that I've been able to witness that mm-hmm. certain things kind of rise in popularity at a certain period of time and then they die back down. And it seems like right now there's this surge of this anti-rapture, mm-hmm. anti-blessed hope ideology. And it generally mm-hmm. comes from people who take eschatology. That's kind of a side issue for them. You know, their focus is revival or mm-hmm. their focus is prayer or their mm-hmm. focus is Jewish stuff or whatever. And then they just kind of take a side mm-hmm. journey into Bible prophecy for a year or so and decide there's no rapture. Uh, it seems to be most right. most of the people who focus solitarily on it generally land on the same on the same page what what are the objections mm-hmm. the common objections you're seeing are you seeing what i'm saying right now are you seeing that in your ministry oh absolutely you've got a whole group of people that are almost anti-rapture like yeah like well you just preach that because you want to escape i go <laughs> no actually i'm not supposed to be here it's seven years that god owes israel that uh you know gabriel said you got 490 jesus came after 483 so there's a seven years he owes them so I can't help that, that that's for them, not for me. <laughs> and uh, uh, once again, that weird thought pattern that, uh, oh, the, the the church has to go through the trip to purify them. I'm like, no, the blood of Jesus purifies yes. us, not going through tribulation. Come on. If that was true, he'd have to resurrect every generation to make them go through the tribulation. So uh, when you find out what those years are for and what happens in those seven years, the Bible says the harvest is innumerable. I mean, by the time of the second coming, 50% of the population will have gotten saved. So uh, it's, we, we call it judgment. Yes, it is. But boy, it's really just putting pressure on people to receive Jesus because you, you won't be able to go. I had no idea. Man, the water's turning blood. You've got nuclear war. You've got in-your-face stuff happening. And uh, I, I kind of laugh at people right now because they think, well, they I hear people go, well, I don't want the Lord to come back because I've got so much I feel like I'm supposed to do. I said, well, you're not done at the rapture. We're tasting of the powers oh. of the world to come. We're... I'm like, how could you be uh, freaked out? No, we're, we're going to live forever. Hmm. I mean, I remember I went into a guitar store and I was going to, I'd given a guitar away. I thought, well, I'll go buy me a cheaper guitar until I can get me another Strat or Les Paul or something. And the Lord said, why don't you learn how to play every instrument? You're going to live forever. I'm like, oh man, it just hit me right, right between the eyes. Like, whoa, hold on. But you know, so I hear people say that, oh, I got so much in my heart. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, I get it. But there's, the rapture is not the end. Hmm. So, yeah, I've heard you talk about in the book, as a matter of fact, people call it escape theology, but you call it hustle theology, Mm -hmm. which I love, which is absolutely, absolutely correct. Talk to us about hustle theology. Well, it's like when you see the the clock on on a quarterback, when the time clock is counting down the play clock, I start freaking out. I start screaming at the TV. The clock is counting down hustle. And uh, it should be a uh, I've never seen a runner in a race look at the finish line and, and not know what to do. 
that's when they run faster than they ever did. All the training, all the exercise, all the preparation is for that moment when you see the finish line. So seeing all this stuff, it should produce an acceleration. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to spend more time with the Lord. I'm going to do more than I've ever done. I'm going to pray more than I've ever prayed. I'm going to be more of a soul winner than I've ever been. And my relationship with Jesus should be so intense that I'm so excited to see him that it makes me accelerate. Yeah. And, uh, uh, that's, that's the purpose of end time preaching right there. Hustle, go for it. Get with the program. Absolutely. I would agree with anyone who um, attacks an escapist mindset where people just want to bury their heads mm-hmm. in the sand and just hope the Lord gets them mm-hmm. out of here. I think I think those those <laughs> yeah. people may not be ready for the Lord to come anyway. And I think we ought to be mm-hmm. hustling right now. So I love that hustle theology. What is the difference then as people kind of talk about this and the Lord's not going to come? There's not going to be two second comings of the Lord. Right. There's not going to be two second comings. <laughs> right. what's, what's your response right. to that? Oh, yeah, it's in, intriguing to see people. Uh, it's weird how, the, the to me, the verses seem super clear, but the average person goes, well, wait a minute, we got to, how, there's two second comings, you got to, there are, you know, there are, there are, there is, I believe, a mid-trib rapture, too. So just having multiple things happening at once kind of freaks people out. But to me, it's so clear the church is caught up, and you go to the reward seat of Christ, marriage, suffer the Lamb, and then we f- fly back on horses. So maybe we go to horse flying school for a couple of days, at least I pray my horse has got a good GPS built in, you know. So uh, uh, it's super clear there's two events, not second coming twice, but the church caught up, and then you got a seven-year period, and then the second coming, we come back with him. I mean, to me, this is very, very clear in the Scripture. And Paul's pretty bold in Thessalonians, even about the rapture. He said, you're not in darkness, so that day would overtake you as a thief. But he was real clear connecting the dots between the church and the world. When the world says peace and safety and sudden destruction comes upon them, they shall not escape, not the church. And so uh, he, he was writing that to a group of people who thought they were in the tribulation because Nero was killing so many Christians, they thought, well, this has to be the trib. So he's like, no, 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 the, rap, the trib can't happen until the church departs. And that was his talk, talk talking about how much authority the church has that the Antichrist can't even be revealed mm-hmm. until the church departs. So that's why I think when people understand all of that, they get the second, they get the separation of rapture as opposed to second coming. Now, I have a lot of friends that are in the ministry that, that still don't know the difference between the rapture and second coming. You'll pre-preach it, and they'll go, "I never understood that." And I'm like, "Wow, uh, 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 it's you, you know what I mean." Sometimes yeah. it's really clear, and sometimes it's not to people. But to me, it's super obvious, and maybe I, we need to, or I need to communicate it better. Oh, you've done an amazing job in your book communicating this and separating the two. An amazing job. And always, it startles me because um, it's the same argument that the Jews make to reject Jesus as the Messiah. He's not going to come twice. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not a suffering. Mm -hmm. He's not going to die. He's supposed to reign and rule and and all that kind of stuff because they couldn't discern the difference Mm -hmm. between these, these prophetic events. Right. And boy, what an interesting thing, having the church age be a mystery and the rapture be a mystery, how segmented that is away. And how, man, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he told them things that were pre-resurrection, and man, the rules just switch. As soon as you got the resurrection, we're him. So I think that's hard for people sometimes to get because they'll, you know, they'll say verses that don't really apply to, to me because Jesus was talking to guys before he was raised from the dead. And uh, he, like he said, pray that you might be accounted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. Mm. And that freaks people out to be that bold. But I didn't make myself worthy. His blood made me worthy. 
So talking to Jewish guys, you do need to pray to be account worthy because you aren't saved yet. And I haven't been raised from the dead yet. But boy, after resurrection, the, the rules change. And people will use uh, verses for the rapture, and those are Jewish verses that make, that make you feel like you don't qualify because you don't qualify under those verses. But man, when you get into Paul's revelation, yes. you find out I'm him. I'm, I'm his, I may be his fingernail, I may be his hangnail, but I'm still part of his body. Which well, that Paul makes, makes it, it wonderful. Paul makes it clear, and if we are part of his body, to allow his body to go through the tribulation, which is the wrath of God, would be the equivalent mm-hmm. of God crucifying his son a second time, which I do not believe he's going to crucify Jesus two times. But the Apostle Paul makes right. it very clear that the revelation he impacts concerning the rapture of the church is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, that he is mm-hmm. he is bringing this forward. He is broaching the issue for the first time. Now, that being said, is the rapture referenced earlier on in the Gospels, even in the Old Testament? Are there allusions to it, or can we do we only go to uh, Paul's writings and to that which took place after the resurrection to find it? There, there's little allusions, and it's amazing how how funny and clear they are, and how the Lord used them. I mean, we saw Enoch get caught up, we saw Elijah get caught up. Uh, they were raptured, and the word there is taken. It's the word harpazo, even back where Elisha was. Uh, he said, don't you know, you, the, the sons of the prophets said, don't you know your master will be taken from you today? And I hear people say, well, there's the word rapture is not in the New Testament. Well, in the Latin, it's the word rapture, it is, in Thessalonians. So rapture is there. But the main allusion to it, which is really funny, is John 14. In my father's house are many mansions, and we're not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I mean, that was a Jewish wedding proposal. And what a perfect picture of a, when a man and a woman would get betrothed, the, the man would go back to the father's house. The father would oversee the building of the honeymoon suite. And uh, the father would tell the son, hey, your room's ready. I've talked to woman after woman after woman in Israel. I go, would you know how close it was for him to come get you? And they go, of course we would. We didn't want to spend money on $600 on perfume, and it's six weeks. Hmm. I said, well, how would you know? They said, word would come to us. The room's done. So they would know, okay, I got back uh, basically a two-day period. And that's what the piece of trumpets is all about. I've got a two-day period to get ready for him to come. And I bet the disciples, when Jesus said those things, are going, did he just propose to us? So it's funny how Jesus put a few little things in there like that that were glimpses of the church age. Uh, that intrigues me how he does that, but he does it. And I, I, we weren't, I wasn't taught this years ago. Uh, I've been in this since 1970. My mom took me to a meeting a Kenneth Hagin meeting in 1970, and I've never heard some of the stuff that's coming out in the last four or five years. The Lord's just wow. brought so much out. I'm like, man, why weren't we taught this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk about, you mentioned in a moment, the, the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, and how the feasts possibly mm-hmm. communicate the timing of these end-time events. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, I want mm-hmm. to kind of keep, keep with the, is the rapture in the New Testament veiled or hidden? It's interesting, even within the pre-tribulational camp, there's um, kind of a difference when you look at Matthew 24. Do we see mm-hmm. a reference there to the rapture of the church? And and honestly, I don't need it to be there. I don't need it to be there. That's not mm-hmm. where I discovered right. the rapture. That's not where I hang my hat. Mm-hmm. But I want to know what your thoughts were right. on that. Well, that's a big deal to me. Matthew 24 is only second coming. It has nothing to do with the rapture. That one's taken and one's left, that's at the second coming. The verses are all, when you see the Son of Man coming in great clouds and great glory, that's the second coming. 24, 25 are all second coming. That's not rapture. And that freaks people out, but it's the opposite of the rapture. The wicked are taken off the earth at the second coming, and the, the righteous, natural body people enter into the millennium. And he, he says it, enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And my buddies are all Matthew 24, and I'm like, that's not the rapture. Sorry. 
and you, because it's still a mystery. And you know what I'm saying? It's like, get, get, get God's thought pattern here. The rapture was a mystery. The church age was a mystery. They kept wanting a political Messiah just like right now. Everybody wants a political Messiah. It ain't going to get fixed till Jesus comes back and fixes it. So it's hard for people to switch over because it was so veiled. But the mystery of it was for us, not to to help us, not to freak us out, you know. And uh, uh, when you when you see people use Matthew 24, for instance, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and the end shall come. Read the verse before it. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, that's a mid-trib verse. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, then read the verse after that. He that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. That's a tribulation verse. Uh, to me, the, the tribulation starts in verse 9. He talks about birth yeah. pains, uh, cr- contractions. Uh, that happens before the tribulation. Those are His answer was tribulation. What's it going to look like when you come? And his, We don't like that answer, but he's really talking Jewish voice. Uh, and before before the Lord comes, that's where they're going to see seven years of all that. And we have some birth pains before that, and we've seen that with COVID. The whole world uh, uh, took note of that, and, and earthquakes and all that. But and, uh, it is it is interesting about Matthew 24. It freaks people out when you say that, but I don't have to manipulate people to go into all the world. I can give them truth. Yeah. Uh, for me, I and like being able to okay. answer answer a question. Either way, people want to run with it, be able to provide an answer mm-hmm. uh, that, that brings hope. Mm-hmm. And I, I lean toward the latter half of Matthew 24, potentially being a veiled reference to the to the rapture of the church. Mm-hmm. But I don't it doesn't I don't need it to be because Scripture right. is so perfectly clear um, when we get into mm-hmm. the writings of, of the Apostle Paul specifically. Now, mm-hmm. well, you mentioned the feasts being a reference mm-hmm. so far as far as the fulfillment of Christ fulfilling these feasts, we've seen a chronological layout of mm-hmm. these feasts. What is next on God's calendar, and can we find the rapture in the feasts? I think so. Uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of I go several different ways. You know, the Feast of Trumpets is so blatant, uh, a great picture for the rapture, and uh, I've preached that many years about it being so cool how all the feasts were, were dress rehearsals for us to see. And, and the rapture is a feast of gatherings. I mean, mm. I mean the feast of, of, of trumpets is a feast of gatherings. And you can't get a much bigger gathering than the, than, than the rapture. That's a pretty big gathering. And I have friends that we go back and forth. Jesus personally fulfilled the first three, and yes. he's going to personally fulfill the last three. And that's why the rapture could be on Pentecost. Because the church was started on Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was given on Pentecost, uh, Enoch was raptured on Pentecost, Enoch was born on Pentecost. So yep. it could be segmented so well that it could, all of that could be where Jesus fulfilled the first three, he could fill the last three. I go both ways with that. I, I'm paying real close attention on Feast of Trumpets, and I'm paying real close attention on <laughs> Pentecost. Uh, but I do think that Paul was pretty clear. He said that day won't overtake you. So I think we'll have a sense of like, man, we're about to leave the planet. Uh, I really believe that. I don't think it's going to shock us, whereas uh, the second coming is more of a, a shock to people. You yes. know, but I mean, it's it's real clear. And people say, "Well, you can't know when the second coming is going to be." Actually, you can. If you the Jews are going to see when the abomination of desolation happens, they're going to have forty two months, three That's and a right. half years. They're going to be able to count count down three and a half years. So all those things kind of debunk things when you get into the Bible. The Bible goes, "Well, yeah, actually, they're going to be counting down." So uh, intriguing that that. 
I don't know where you stand on the on the feast. But boy, the Feast of Trumpets is a wonderful opportunity for him to come, and yes. Pentecost I see is a wonderful opportunity for for the Rapture too. So I go back and forth with both of those. I use every time the lunar calendar is mentioned as a reason to look up to the sky anyway, and uh, be yes. anxiously anticipating uh, Jesus' return. Yes. And your ministry, you've you've done an amazing job of connecting Bible prophecy with current events. Um, right now, is there, is there anything you're seeing right now, uh, apart from what we've already discussed, you know, Freddy's River drying up, all those kind of things that people are already talking about. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you're seeing right now mm-hmm. that's really got your attention that you're watching? Yes, uh, there's several things in the last few weeks, just with Russia and some of the connections with uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia and some of the connections with China and Russia coming together. It is intriguing to me seeing little alliances happening that were spoken of thousands of years ago happening like last week and two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, it just preaches to me uh, in my face, like look at these connections. And with China uh, circling Taiwan and, and with Macron from France telling China, uh, we're not going to we're not going to uh, protect Taiwan. Little things here and there and little alliances that I never thought I'd see and I'm seeing right now because of. Iran being so crazy. I mean, today you have the old Ayatollah Khomeini's son coming to Israel as a, a peace offering. And then today you had Iran's president say, we're going to wipe Tel Aviv and Haifa off the map. So you've got dual things happening here uh, today. I mean, that, that was, that's not five years from now. It's today things are happening that are headed toward peace. China today said, we're going to try to make a peace agreement for the Palestinians in Israel. You've never heard China say that. Mm. China brokered the, the peace agreement with Saudi Arabia and Iran. You've never heard China doing that. So China's doing weird stuff. Russia's doing weird stuff. They're all doing things that point to the Ezekiel 38 war, the different alliances. And now these are things happening today. I mean, I'll do my uh, uh, video a little later today, and I'm like, uh, I can't believe some of the things that are happening. So they're exciting. Because to me, it tells me to keep looking up. I'm about to see the king. So yes. when, when you see all these things, Jesus didn't say run to the hills and freak out. He said, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh. I know he's talking to Jewish boys there, but uh, he didn't want you downtrodden. He wants you joyful. And I try to say it over and over and over again in preaching. He loves you. Yes. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants you excited about this. And so that's the whole thing of stuff happening today. kind of freaks me out that I'm watching and you and I are watching things come to pass that I thought, man, I think I'd see that. We're seeing it. Wow. Uh, All of New Testament eschatology, as far as I'm concerned, can be summed up with one word, watch. And that seems Mm. to be the central message and the central theme of Bible Mm. prophecy, particularly in the New Testament, watch. Why is Mm. watching so important? Because when you look at the other eschatologies out there, the other views, they remove that element. Mm-hmm. That element is not necessary for their eschatological right. view. And yet the central message of the New Testament is watch. So why is that so important? Well, I, th- I think it shows where your heart is. If you're oblivious to everything and not paying attention, you're, you could care less. And when you really care about Jesus, you're looking forward to it. I mean, you know, when your wedding was coming, were you paying attention to the date mm-hmm. or just go, oh, to do? No. No, when the date was coming, you, the preparation got more and more and more intense. And the more watching you are, the Lord's so sweet and so kind. He's showing us things that we, we're paying attention. It's in our face. And for, for me to, to have someone go, well, there's nothing happening that shows me that. Seriously? No, there's, there's things with the stars, things with the heavens, things with the planets. 
that are so blatant that are just like obvious if you're kind of paying attention is screaming to us. So yes, if you if you're watching, you can definitely see it all playing out right in front of our eyes. But watching affects he that he that has this hope purifies himself. It, it leads to holiness, yes. even the more so as you see the yes. day approaching, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It leads to discipleship. Yes. Watching does a yes. variety. Jesus himself, I believe in Matthew 25, gave a parable concerning mm-hmm. the steward that was watching. Mm-hmm. And it is a wicked ser- servant that says, my Lord delays his coming. Yeah. How can people be prepared? How can they prepare themselves for the hour we're living in? Yeah, you know, uh, preparing yourself for now, I think, is an overdosing on the Word, uh, assembling our, of ourselves more, and that, that hope that purifies you even as pure. I have famous evangelists tell me, Joe, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, you just get everybody's hopes up. I'm like, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's, it's like, well, of course. I mean, that the, uh, the thought pattern to not be. So there's something about knowing how close you are. It makes you live holy. It makes you kinder. Makes you sweeter. Can you imagine being a jerk the night before the rapture of the church? That'd be weird. If we get to heaven, what were you doing? I was cussing people out. That's not cool. <laughs> no, you you know what I mean. It's like you you want that to push you to live holier and to live better and live kinder and softer. My mother used to say, "This is like seventy through seventy-five. Jesus is coming tonight." I'm like, "Really?" What well, freaked me out? I thought the rapture was going to be any day, but it made me go to bed in good contact with the Lord. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and absolutely. It's a fear, ta- fear tactic, but it, it, it straightened me up every night hearing that. So, yeah, you just wish people could see it's not because God's mad at them. He wants them to have a heads up and to be excited about it and be so purified because he's about to, well, they're about to see him. It's interesting. The un- the unveiling of his first coming, his first advent, was gradual. Mm-hmm. Um, those who were yeah. looking for him got to see him first. And then he was mm-hmm. moved into a larger crowd, and then more and more got people got to experience and see him. And and you mentioned that mm-hmm. there may be a, a mid tribulational rapture of the church uh, that's taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that timeline mm-hmm. look like, and who's going when? You know, uh, as far as the Bible is concerned, it's, it's not super, super, super clear. It's something they're real clear about it. Uh, uh, there, are the, I believe the tribulation of saints get caught up, and that's about mid trib. That's kind of my timing, as far as I can tell. And uh, is that, that with the two witnesses? How, yes, yes, I believe so. At the same time, and I think, and then that's when you have the great tribulation starting, and all of a sudden it kicks into a whole nother gear. There, I mean, the mm-hmm. first half is horrible, yeah. but even the last half of the trib is, is. I think the timing of that is right about that. I could be off on that, and I'm not super dogmatic about it, but it's it, to me, it's real clearly there. So some of my friends are like, well, I don't see it. And I go, well, you can see it if you look at, what, at what's happening in heaven and the different groups that are in heaven and the different uh, factions that are saying things. It's like, okay, that's that's there, that's there, that's there. Kind of a process of elimination. You can see it. So, yeah, well, the it first is intriguing, part of tr- though. Go ahead. No, it's just intriguing that you have so many people born again uh, by the second coming. You got one taken and one left. One left. That's Matthew twenty-four. That's fifty percent of the population. I mean, right now, Europe, France is one percent, Germany three percent. So, what a great revival that could be for them of forty-seven percent. So, I look at that and go, "Wow!" At the second, by the time of the second coming, just like the thieves on the cross, one got saved, the other thief didn't. Hmm. Just like the ten virgins, half of them were ready, the other half weren't. It's always fifty percent. So it's intriguing that the Lord knew, even with pressure putting on people during the trip, that only half of them would turn, which is, to me, you got water turning to blood, you got asteroids, you got everything. Uh, I mean, even NASA talks about the, the, NASA's got a new site because there's so many asteroids. So 
Yeah, it is horrible seven years, but really it's uh, to get people's attention, that's for sure. Do you believe the first part of the tribulation, I'm, I'm in this, I, I'm persuaded that all of the tribulation is the wrath of God. There are those who try to divide it up and yeah. say, well, actually, halfway through, that's when the wrath is poured out. But tell us about that. Mm, I think, yeah, I think kind of when your thought pattern, I think the whole seven years is the wrath of God. It's, it's all, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. It is judgment, but it actually it's pressure. Some, some people are so hard-headed, they won't make a decision till the very end. My dad mocked God his whole life. And then uh, alcoholic hated the Lord. He has a stroke. He gets saved. Goes to heaven. So, mm. I mean, he didn't he didn't make any changes until he was about to die. Hmm. And it's unfortunate that people can be so stiff necked and hard headed that they got to have tomahawk missiles coming at them. They got to have nukes coming at them. And man, some people, you know, they say during World War II there were no uh, atheists in foxholes because they could see the imminence of death. Yeah. And I think unfortunately the Lord has to do it like that to get people's attention that like you're. You could be that close and not even realize you're about to die. Wow. I want so, to dig. Hopefully wanna, it'll be a wake-up call. Yeah, and I think even what you've been sharing with us this whole time is a wake-up call. I want to I want to take some time in our podcast here in a moment. We're going to record that where we're going to get a little more controversial concerning the rapture of the church and uh, uh, some of the objections to that. But first, would you, would you mind praying with us that our hearts would be sure. ready, that we would be anxiously anticipating the return of the Lord? And uh, I believe those of you watching right now, just lift your hands and and begin to pray and believe God for the release you, of a hopeful expectation that will transform your life yeah. and the lives of those around you. Yes, Father, we thank you for everyone listening and watching, uh, that they would comprehend the hope that you have given us, that we get to be uh, caught up with you in, in the air, to be with you, to forever be with the Lord. You you told us to comfort one another with these words, so great comfort for us, Father. And we thank you for, for revelation that we would have a wonderful insight to see the timing of how close we are to the king coming back to the earth and how Jesus, you were penalized, you were beaten, you were horrifically beaten so that we wouldn't have to be, that you paid the penalty for Adam's sin. So we're, we're so grateful, so appreciative that, that hell will not be our home, but we'll get to be with you forever. So if anyone might be listening, that's never asked Jesus into their heart. Father, right now we ask them to make that choice, accept him and take him as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, for all of us believers that have already done that, we thank you for a radical inspiration to run our race, uh, a fuel from heaven, uh, a ni nitro fuel, all the horsepower we need uh, to accelerate, Lord, to do your will and to do your bidding. Help every one of us be voices for you uh, of the coming of the Lord, every believer to be a voice and a witness of how grand you are, Jesus, and how soon we are to see you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. 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 The book is End Times Made Easy. The link is in the description. I encourage you to get your copy of this book because there's no bad news for the Christian. When you get this revelation, you're going to be excited about the hour you're living in. Joseph Morris, thank you so much for being with us on Encounter today. Thank you so much. Thrilled to be with you. I love your thought pattern. It's just so uh, neat and so cool and so exciting. Wonderful. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Looking forward to talking a little bit more here in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, we're heading over to the podcast Encounter Underground. The link's in the description of this video. We're going to dig a little bit deeper, have an uncensored conversation about end-time eschatology. But we thank you for your support, for your prayers. We have a brand new end-time news site, EncounterNews.com, where you can get all the end-time news that matters to you. That's EncounterNews.com. Go check it out, and we'll see you next time. 
God bless. According to Luke 10, 19, Jesus gave the disciples power and authority over all the power of the enemy. I believe that it's time for the Church of Jesus Christ to rediscover its authority, which is why we are working with Harrison House Publishers to revive and to relaunch this classic faith book by Norval Hayes, How to Live and Not Die, a culmination of all of the revelation he received in his life in order to get breakthrough in the very worst of cases. And in addition to that, to display your authority, we have had made customized gavels that have inscribed on them, I have Luke 10, 19 authority. So even in your prayer life, you can declare order in the court. You can overrule the works of the enemy. And we think this is going to be a great conversation starter and a great piece for your home and for your prayer room. And they're both available right now, all for a gift of $100 or more. You will receive the gavel as well as the custom book where I've written an introduction. Rod Parsley, Marilyn Hickey, Bill Winston, and others have written in it to be a blessing to you. Go to EncounterToday.com and get a hold of this special offer.